0: Neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? All right. My secret hope was that you guys all would be singing along by the end of that video. Dare to dream. We commit our plans to the Lord and He directs our steps. So He directed you to remain quiet and just listen to that. Some have asked if that was me singing. I'm doing the voiceover. I'm not singing. So that was pure Mr. Rogers. Listen, good morning. We have a little bit of a unique morning in that. We're going to have three preachers, and we're going to sort of break the sermon teaching time up into three segments, and I've got the first one. So one of the things that, uh, that you get asked regularly or think about regularly is this, that what are you known for? And, and when you think of other people, you attach something to their name, and you think, what, what are they known for? And there's, there's a whole bunch of different ways that you could answer this, if someone were to ask what you are like. Uh, last night, my daughter, sort of out of the blue, she said, Dad, describe me in three words. And I thought, hmm, okay. And so I began thinking about that. And that's one way to do it, right? Like to formally say, okay, pin someone down into three adjectives, three things that they're about or like. And this month has been us as a church looking at what are we Currently, doing and being as a church in this neighborhood? And what would we like to be doing? Who would we like to become as a church in this neighborhood? One of the things we prayed for at the opening of this month was this God, your church needs to be reformed on a regular basis. The Reformation was a period of history, but it's actually an ongoing thing where the Holy Spirit blows through the church and declutters. Ideas and practices and ways that we're stuck So what we've said we've been really open to saying this god we expect change We expect us to grow and improve as a church because we expect that we have sort of gotten cluttered and looked at some things So I get this asked a lot about our church when people find out that i'm a pastor they go. Oh, tell me about your church And there's sort of a lot of different ways. I could go about describing what our church family is like and it's always kind of fun to, to mix it up a little bit. This series title of A Beautiful Day for Our Neighborhood is based strictly off of this idea. This reality that God invites us into a loving community, right? And God blesses us individually. God blesses us as a family. God blesses us as a collection of families, a church for the blessing of other people. Israel, I will make you a nation so that you, tiny Israel, will be a blessing to the nations. It's not so that you, tiny Israel, can hoard my law and hoard my goodness and hoard my blessing and store it up for yourself and just keep on enjoying it. It's meant to pour into you and spill out into those around you. If you have a family right now that you're raising, if you desire one day to have a family, it's not just that God wants to bless you as a family so that you could get a garage door opener that closes very quickly after you pull in so you don't have to deal with your messy neighbors and you could just have your little heaven on earth. God wants to bless your family so that it would overflow and spill out and be a blessing to those around you individually as family and as a church. So a beautiful day for our neighborhood is this ongoing constant reminder that it's not just about us. And isn't it true that people, we just, we constantly need to be reminded of that, to lift our eyes and keep looking outside of us and our own. Here's how we've broken this down. The first week we looked at this idea that God has a perfect design for the church and always, hear me, always Christians get it wrong there is always flawed execution to how God designs things. So God designs the church. There is always flawed execution. A buddy of mine just took a brand new pastor at a place and we were talking and he was saying, his wife was saying, good friend of mine, she was saying, yeah, they're super kind to me. I haven't done anything to him yet. I I don't deserve any of this. It's just a title. Like they're really excited because they have a pastor now and a pastor's wife. and, And I know these people really well. And I said, don't worry, you'll disappoint them soon enough. Like you stay long enough, and they'll realize you're just regular, ordinary people, and that's actually a good thing, right? That's when we start to function as family. God has a perfect design for the church. We always flaw the execution. Here's the instruction. We don't run from it because it's broken. We lean back into the perfect design. This is marriage. God has a perfect design for marriage and for family. We always will mess that up. We don't stop doing it or change the system, lower the standard. We'd say, you know what? That's going to cause us to lean back into God. What are we doing wrong? What else should we doing? What should we be stopping? So that was week number one. Uh, second week was just how we church. This play button is a metaphor. Every time you hit a podcast, every time you hit your music, you are, you are participating uh, in faith. It's an act of faith to push that little green triangle and you expect something to happen. This is a metaphor for discipleship, for life in Jesus Christ. The play button is a progression that shows how we come into relationship with God, but also how we grow up in Jesus. It's not just that we stay put. Finally, last week, we looked at heading. What is heading? Heading is a very specific direction that us as a little sailboat church are pointing towards. And we have prayerfully set our sights on a few very key specific things. It's an idea of saying, how can we come alongside that and get on board? Here's what we're doing today. This last week in this month, we're going to be back in Luke next week. So we've taken a month-long break from walking through the Gospel of Luke. Today we're going to look at three different passions that that grew up out of the soil of this church. It's very specific to this neighborhood, to the people that came and went, to the passions and hearts and giftings and hangups and all of that. And what I want to just show you is I want to show you that over the last 13 years as a church, God has sort of woven a few threads through our church. So you're going to hear this in, in three parts. I'm going to grab this first one. Here's, here's a couple of points to notice. It's actually really exciting. In fact, I, I brag on this because it's bragging on God's work in our lives. I say, you know what? Three of the best things about our church, three of the most distinctive things about Neighborhood Bible Church were not the brainchild of any single person. This wasn't something that someone said, we are going to be this kind of church with a passion for these kinds of things right here. Now, God brought people with, with those passions and, and we responded to things and we staffed around things and we didn't staff around other things. In fact, the way I would say it is this. We as a church, we set sail to catch the wind of the Spirit, we we sought to be fit and faithful as a church. And in essence, this is where God has steered us thus far. We're 13 years in. I pray that at year 20, we're telling totally different stories because maybe the winds are going to shift. Maybe God's going to lean in and keep us on this track, but we'll see where that is when we get there. Here's how this morning's going to work too. After hearing about each of these distinctives... Many, many times in this church, we wanna give handles to truth. So we wanna offer you a next step. Like here's a way to grab hold of this principle and apply it to your life. Here's a way to grab hold of this truth or this rebuke or this instruction or this encouragement and actually sort of knead it into the dough of how you actually live. Here's the tension I constantly live with. I don't wanna be coy and unclear and too creative where you're like, I don't really know how to apply that. That sounds really, really powerful, but what do you do with that? But on the other hand, I think sometimes if we say, hey, um, Jesus tells us to do this, here are the three things you need to do. Do you know what that could create over time? Pharisees. Because you could be sitting there and be like, check, 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 I did those three things. Some of you are doers. You're like, give me a checklist, I'll nail it. And actually begins to foster um, me doing the hard work of sort of sitting there and going, "What, what should I tell these people? What should the next action step be? And not you checking in directly with the Father as a, as a son or daughter of God and saying, God, what do you want me to do with this? So at the end of each of our times, myself, Ben, and Andreas are going to all share this morning. We're going to give you two minutes of just reflection. Where you're going to ponder and just say, God, what do you want me to do with this? Okay? So that's where we're going. All right. So the first one is this. <clears throat> Sometimes when people ask about our church and they say, what's really important to your church? Or, or they're not even asking that question. I'm telling them what's really important to our church. It's this, that we are passionate about caring for vulnerable children around this church. Here's something great. If you're brand new to the church, you're getting to hear, where is this church going? Isn't it important when you're dating early on to find out where that person's going? If it doesn't align with where you're going, pro tip, stop dating. Stop dating. Like, just stop dating. It's not a good thing. So if you're brand new, you're going to get to hear a little bit of the underneath the, you know, these aren't aspirations. Like, these are things we hope to happen one day. You're going to hear today some things that are passions of ours. We look around. We say, this is what is happening at our church. So number one is this. We care passionately um, about vulnerable children. I'm not even going to list the many places from Genesis to Revelation where God screams at his followers that we have a mandate as his followers to care for the vulnerable people of our culture. That comes through from Genesis to Revelation over and over and over again. It comes through in law. It comes through in example. It comes through in what God challenges and rebukes and disciplines. So we have a mandate to care for, for the least of these. And in our society, I would say this, that the vulnerable children who are without a family in our city, they reside in foster care. They are amongst the most vulnerable people group in all of the Bay Area. If you want to go after the most vulnerable, that would be one segment. Another segment is this. Those who are unborn inside of a woman who is having a hard time and being offered choices. These are some of the most vulnerable in our city. Now, we've taken it global because God's a global God and... and. Languishing in orphanages around the world today are people without the most fundamental longing that you have. And many of us don't even think about it because we've always had it. It's called a mom and a dad, right? It's called someone that says, man, on your birthday, we're gonna stop what we're doing and we're gonna sing over your soul because every soul is worth celebrating for the rest of their life. In fact, we're gonna shower you with gifts. We're gonna do a special meal. We're gonna say that you are special at least one day a year. I hope it happens more. So we care for vulnerable children at this church. 1 Peter 2.15 says this. For this is the will of God. What's the will of God? What should I be doing? Here you go. This is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Here's something we talked about this month. Doing good is not cookie cutter. So our church... The do-gooding that god puts on us the striving for the good work that god has for us Will look different from the church down the street and to that we say praise god. That's awesome We are not just cookie cutter. There's not some formula. We are checking in with god We're putting our sails up as a sailboat and the wind of the spirit is blowing us and leading us in some directions So doing good is god's will it also has variety for us. One of the big do goods is children do you ever think about the fact that doing good is a great apologetic? It's a great defense of the gospel. People go, tell me about your faith and you talk, 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 What happens when you do? That's a powerful apologetic that your life looks different than, the, than, than theirs. They go, man, I've a lot of people talk. This person does. This person actually seems to do from a place that's different from any access I have to, to an ongoing sustaining life power. So it's a great apologetic. And finally, this verse says it really clearly, that doing good silences the arguments of darkened minds. People who are not free in Christ are slaves to sin. Every one of us has compassion on that. Because not only were we once slaves to sin, we battle temptation every single day. As far as I can tell from the scripture, that's going to happen until the day we die and are perfected in Christ. But think about this. What if every Christian who named the name of Jesus Christ wasn't just pro-life during pregnancy, but they were joyfully, willingly set up in their home ahead of time to be in conversation with a young woman or a young couple or a family that's saying, we've got this surprise pregnancy, we don't know what to do with about it. We've got people shouting they us that they're, that they're pro-life, others that say it's pro-choice, we don't know what to do. What if Christians around the country We're to say, I'm not just pro-life before birth. I'm pro-life after birth. In other words, if if, if, if this were a situation where it's not safe or you cannot care for this child, you have a choice. I will care for your baby. This is what foster care is. Foster care is providing a safe, loving home for kids hoping to reunite with their birth family. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Do you see how doing good silences the argument of people who would say, well, I don't want to bring a child into this life and have them lead a miserable life and have no future? What if we, like God does to us, provided a hope and a future to a person in that setting? Do we see that? Are you with me this morning? I was going to pass out Mountain Dew, but I thought better of it. All right, you guys are with me. Here's what it says. This this passage in Peter goes on to say this. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom to cover up evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Let me tell you how caring for vulnerable children got started here. We actually came with people here. We launched this church with people. In fact, Ron is sitting here this morning. We gave the roses. We just made up awards. That's that's the cool thing about being a church family. You make up stuff. We made up the Lifetime Achievement Award in foster care for the roses. Because they just had been doing foster care for so long, had cared for so many children, we thought that's worth celebrating. That's worth like giving an award out for. Just so happened that the leaders that came here were already living out the value of adoption. And so from that, we began to preach on orphan care and vulnerable children care every single year without fail. In 2015, we did an entire month. I went to the elders. I said, I think now's the time to take an entire month and look at theologically how we're adopted into God's family. And we had to really press into this. Out of that month of Orphan Care Sundays, we did all four in a row in January of 2015, some things happened. One is this, an organization called Foster the Bay was, we helped birth this organization. Our founder, Philip. Is a guy that would pray in my office every single week with a group of pastors, just praying for the good of the city, praying that God would bless. Let me show you this Foster the Bay update. By the way, we we link arms with two major organizations. One is Love Inc., which I told you about last Sunday. We're going to hear more about them in a few weeks. The second one is Foster the Bay. Here's a few highlights just from 2019. A um, hundred churches now have joined this coalition. We were church. We were in the first five churches. So now 100 churches from around the Bay Area are part of our coalition. 500 families have been mo- mobilized as foster pa- families or support friends. 200 children have been welcomed in as foster youth and children into these homes. We've expanded our partnership in this year alone to Alameda County, Santa Cruz County, and Sonoma County. Um, we held 11 events for social workers. We just went into social workers around the Bay Area and said, we see you, we appreciate you, you have a hard frontline job, let us bless you with an event. Over and over, this continues to bear fruit, just expressing the generous nature of God. Foster the Bay has held more than 40 interest meetings in 2019 with more than 2,000 people in attendance. These are people really ready to take the next step into foster care in some way, shape or form. And finally, our impacts extended beyond the Bay Area. We're now starting to coach and receive, um, requests from other local movements around the country. We're working right now with one in, uh, in Tennessee. And they're asking us, hey, how, how, how has God done it there? What tips do you have for us as well? So again, on behalf of families that sit in our church that are being fostered, on behalf of families that have been reunited from kids that have been fostered from church, from, from families in our church, thank you. Many of you in many different ways have had a part in making this happen. Here's what's really exciting. This graphic right here shows that our model is working. That's a little hard to read, but basically we have this model is of this. What if every church raised up one foster family? So the ratio is one church, one foster family, and then they had four support friends wrapping around that foster family. Wouldn't it be true that that, that, that foster family could go forward with confidence knowing their church is behind them to foster children? And what's happened? We have a hundred churches. Um, we have, uh, we have a hundred foster families. We have 400 support friends. Do you see the ratio? And 200 kids have been fostered. This started in fall of 2015. Friends, this is a movement of God. One of my early prayers to Philip is this. I said this. I said, I pray that God would so raise up Christians in such a powerful way that no one church would be attached to it, that they wouldn't care that it's Foster the Bay's name attached to it. It would just be seen that Christians in the Bay Area, one of the most hard to reach places to do church, supposedly, that because they would raise up, it would silence the foolish arguments of people who don't know what they're talking about. It would show off an incredible great God. It would, it would create unity. And that's what's going on. <clears throat> Let me just give you a quick peek to 2020. We, we're positioned for some incredible impact. One um, is this. We're, we're praying that God would, would raise our, uh, our coalition by 50 churches. We want to see 150 churches by the end of this next calendar year. Um, we are... We are uh, we are already planning and prepping to be expanding into, into three additional Bay Area counties. Um, there are 11 counties that sort of touch the Bay Area. Santa Cruz doesn't quite touch it. But, uh, but there's, there's only a few left. Like God just has continued to expand this thing. Um, we, we also want to uh, put on 15 social worker appreciation events. And, um, and we're, we're always putting out resources and providing to the church. Let me tell you what's happening for me personally. One of the things I've gone to the elders each year is said, are we still good on this, elders? NBC, this church, gets much less of my time because the elders have said, generously keep giving to the body of Christ. So let me just tell you, in two weeks, I won't be here. I'll be preaching up in Millbrae. I'll be casting vision for Foster the Bay to, to, to a church up the peninsula. This Thursday night, I'm going to be at Venture Church across the way, just speaking on an evening to a room full of people who are contemplating taking the next step for foster care. So, so part of the generosity of this has been the elders saying, Dave, we, we free you up to keep on doing this, to keep working toward all of this. Let me tell you a second way. Um, oh, and by the way, in the next two months, all of those 100 churches in all of those counties, we have a team of people, myself included, who are going to go meet with every single one of those pastors individually and personally, provide them with a church resource kit that, that outfits them for the next year of how to cast vision, how to re-engage with this, how to stay fresh and current. So a ton of effort's gone on to it. The second thing I just want to highlight is this. We have an event each year called Empowered to Connect. We've been hosting this for years and years and years. We started this because Becky and I desperately needed help. And we thought, let's just host a video conference. So we were sitting right here with like six other people taking copious notes because we were up over our heads. It's geared toward those who are caring for kids from hard places. So it could be social workers. It could be grandparents. It could be parents. What we discovered after year one some of you were there with us. We looked at each other. We said, this is called being a human being. This is good for any parent. The big idea is we want to connect before we correct. This is the Jesus way. This is what this is what it means. This is what God did to us. So we've now made it our goal to have anyone who works in family ministry at this church to go through this training. Um, and this year... Uh, we're making it bilingual. Uh, this year, we're opening it up to our Foster the Bay community, which is massive. We could have an entire room full of people. Let me say it. will take an army of people doing a lot of hard work to make this one event go off successfully. Instead of in years past where it's been all day Friday, all all day, all day Saturday, this year, they're giving us options. So we're actually breaking it up into four Sunday afternoons from like 2.30 to 6 at a time starting March 29th. So Kelly's heading this up. Becky's visible on this. Um, watch for more. But there's some certainly some action to that. Here's what I want to do right now. Kids, I haven't forgotten you. Um, kids, you are dismissed off to class right now. The rest of you are not going to be distracted by cute children running by you. You are now going to, a band, come on up. You are now going to take a couple of minutes while the band plays and, and you are just going to spend some time reflecting. Okay? So you're being given time in the service to sit and ponder what was just said to you. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking some of you are going to hear from the Lord, well done. Just take a deep breath and keep doing what you're doing. I'm hoping some of you hear from the Lord this, get going. Man, there's something you should be doing in this. Maybe some of you are going to hear a distinct message, wait. I know you care about this, but right now is the season of wait. So take these few minutes right now, um, use them for reflection. The band's going to play some music and they'll lead us in some more song.
1: Well, this morning I get to talk about uh, the second of our three passions, which is family ministry. And in family ministry, our mission is, is helping families raise disciples. I'm going to dive right in and start unpacking this. First, our ministry is here to help. And this means a couple of things. First, it means that we recognize that it is not our job to be raising disciples. That role biblically belongs to the parents with a focus on the father. Deuteronomy 6, 6-7 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Later in Deuteronomy, it says, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Proverbs 29, 17 says, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. And Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Did you catch the word your that's over and over? This responsibility is on the parents. Here at NBC, and especially in family ministry, we say often what happens at home is more important than what happens at church. But second, and conversely, it means that we are here to help. We weren't meant to live this life alone, and that includes in the raising of our children. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Uh, In Acts 2, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So don't feel like you need to walk this journey alone, parents. There are plenty uh, that are where you're at. There are many who have walked before you. There are things we do to help you raise your kids as disciples when you face a challenge, when your back is up against a wall, when you're not sure what to do, know that there are people here ready to help. Second, our ministry is here to help families. As Dave said, this isn't something uh, we, that was designed as NBC started 13 years ago. We didn't have an objective to bring in young, young families. Rather, we started as a church with four areas of focus. And yes, one of those areas was on children. But it wasn't a focus because we wanted to go out and find a bunch of children and bring them here. Rather, we wanted to love and nurture well the kids that God had brought to NBC. And over the years, God continued to bring more and more families to NBC. And we continued to see God at work in this. So we knew and know that we need to be pouring into families because that's who God continues to bring to our door. Third, we are here to raise. Now, it may seem odd to pause on this word, but there's truth here in two ways. We recognize that this is a process. There isn't a quick fix. This isn't something that happens overnight. There isn't a formula. Just as yeast takes time to raise the dough, we recognize that it will take time and effort to raise these children up. And that's time and effort that we are willing to invest. Also, in knowing that we are here uh, to help raise disciples, we want to use every opportunity and interaction to point them a little more towards Jesus. We aim to always be moving forward. Finally, we are talking about disciples. When I hear the phrase, children are our future, I understand what the person is saying, but it honestly rubs me a little bit because it can leave a person with the idea that children will be valuable, but they're not there yet. Children have value now. They are contributing members now. And it is so important for the church to both understand this and live it out. Jesus said it best, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is theirs now. They are disciples now. Now, granted, some are not disciples yet simply because they haven't yet placed their trust in Jesus, but they are potential disciples hungry to hear the truth. Friends, I believe that we have just as much to learn from children as they have to learn from us. And you will be hard-pressed to find a more eager learner than a child. So we want to take advantage of our most eager learners and teach them God's truths. These kids are both potential disciples and current disciples. We recognize that and want to jump on that, pushing them forward. So that is what the family ministry uh, passion that we have is all about, helping families raise disciples. Now let me tell you how we are trying to accomplish this. First, we have Sunday services and community groups. Every time you're here on a Sunday morning, every time you go to a community group is an opportunity to grow in raising disciples. Both Sunday services and community groups will help you grow in your marriage, whether the topic is on marriage or not. And both Sunday services and community groups will help you grow as a parent, whether the topic is on parenting or not. Uh, next, uh, we have kids in service. I just said they are disciples, so they belong in the service with us from time to time. And we want to get them more comfortable being in the main service, so we gradually have them in here more often as they get older. All kids are welcome in the service at any time. And I want to be clear with that. Any time, parents, bring your kids into service, they're welcome here. But we offer age appropriate classes for kids so they can hear the gospel in a way that's a little easier for them to understand. But the frequency of those classes decreases as the kids get older. When, uh, those that are younger than kindergarten, we offer classes almost every single Sunday. But those that are in elementary, class doesn't start, as you guys noticed, until a little bit of time into the service. So that kids get to be a part of the beginning of service every single Sunday. And we don't offer class on the first Sunday of the month and on other occasions to get to have them as a part of the service. And then for middle school and high school students, class is only offered about 10 times a year. Our middle and high school students are serving all over the place on Sundays and are a vital part of our services each week. There are two just up on stage singing. We truly miss them when they're not with us, but we still want to offer an age-appropriate class for them from time to time. Another way we help families raise disciples is through visitation. The elders and the pastors visit families on a regular basis, spending time in their homes and getting to talk face-to-face. Also, many events we do are for the whole family. As we plan events, we usually do it with the whole family in mind, expecting both little kids and grandparents to be there along with everyone else in between. Uh, We've done Christmas parties, potlucks, camping trips, Mexico trip, all planned with the whole family in mind. But one of our biggest and most visible ways we help families raise disciples is through our Sunday morning classes. These classes accomplish a lot as they're occurring. So let me just walk you through the design. First, these classes are for the kids. We want it to be fun and engaging. We want it to be a place where the kids look forward to attending. My kids love coming to class. One of our core values in our classes is that grace abounds. We know that kids make mistakes, and so we work with them through those mistakes to help them grow. Each week, they get to hear from God's word in a way that helps them learn and apply those truths to their lives. And we'll talk more about the curriculum in just a minute. Next, these classes are for the team. We are discipled as we make disciples. Anyone that's ever poured time and energy into someone else knows that you get discipled as you're pouring into someone else. And that's so true on Sunday mornings as well. Every time I'm in a class, either as a teacher or a helper, I learn more about God's love for me in how I love these kids and in how they love me and in how they love each other. The team members also get to know the other team members, building relationships with each other as they're building relationships with the kids. And many of these team members are parents because these classes are also for the parents. Now, yes, a part of it is getting the opportunity to drop your kids off while you go to the main service to learn. And that's exactly what's needed for some. But for most, it's so much more. We ask every parent with kids in the ministry to serve in the ministry themselves, and usually as teachers or helpers. Now, we aren't doing this to skimp or be cheap. There's intentionality behind this. This helps the parents grow as disciplers. Having to teach other kids on a regular basis will help them improve on how they teach their own kids. In fact, we have some teachers that aren't yet parents. Uh, that are excited to be in these classes, taking mental notes as they teach and think forward to their future role as the disciples of their own kids. This also brings a deeper community aspect to our church and more voices into the lives of our kids. I love that my kids get to know and learn from other adults in the church. Parents, the more we are in these classrooms, the more our individual families benefit and the more the church family benefits. Finally, we chose the curriculum we use to help families raise disciples. First, its focus is Jesus. Every Old Testament story points to Jesus. Every New Testament story points to the cross. And the kids get to walk through most of the main stories in the Old and New Testament. But more than that, it's a starting point for conversation at home. We teach the same lesson in every class. So every kid goes home talking about the same thing. Today, all your kids should be talking about Daniel 4 and the glory belonging to God alone. We also offer both the Bible story book and a devotional to each family to take home, and they look just like this. If you don't have one of these, please see me after service, or we've got some in the back, and you're just welcome to take one. There's uh, both an Old Testament and New Testament devotional. I'm holding the New Testament one. Now, the devotional in particular, is a really amazing tool. It's really cool. So each Sunday we teach a class and then the devotional has five daily devotionals that unpack that lesson more so that you as a parent have something that you're ready and equipped to use to be pouring into your kids. All right. Now, I know I flew through that, right? But also, if you were dialed in, I painted you a beautiful picture and all this intentionality around why we're doing family ministry. Disclaimer, we're not perfect in this. There are many holes to be filled. There are many areas where we need to grow. But maybe that's where you come in. There may be some way you can use your gifts to help family ministry grow. Now, as Dave mentioned, I'm going to give you a couple minutes right now to pray about where you may need to jump in. And remember, kids are not a problem to be solved. They are our greatest resource. They are hungry and eager, potential disciples or disciples ready to grow. So how is God calling you to help families raise disciples? Let's go ahead and have the band come back up as you take just a couple minutes and reflect on that.
2: Well, I'm here to tell you about the third passion. I'm here to tell you about the third service. We do have three services on Sunday, and the third one just happened to be in Spanish. Just so you can get a clear idea, I want to tell you something that I did that was awesome this past December. I'm from Colombia, South America, and I got to go on a little trip to Colombia after 26 years to be able to visit where I was born, to be able to visit my family. And it was it was something very special to me, especially because it was 26 years since the last time that I visited there. So when I was planning the trip, I wanted to make sure I did a couple of things. I wanted to be all about our family. Uh, first of all, I wanted to go with my wife and make sure she got to enjoy the same experience that I was enjoying. In the beginning, when when this trip happened, it was only about something that we were going to do uh, work-wise, but I made a point to be able to take my wife to be able to go to Colombia. So my my first priority was not work, it was my immediate family. But then I planned the trip around uh, something that happened in my family. That was living in Colombia. A, a wedding happened, a cousin was uh, getting married, and the whole family was going to get together in one place. So I made a point to be able to choose the dates to be able to coincide with that wedding so I can visit the whole family. And why I'm telling you this is because there is something amazing that is happening here at NBC, something that is unusual. It doesn't happen that often. And what it is is that we have here a great and true family. We have an immediate family, and we have an extended family. Um, Just because we have a third service that is in Spanish, it doesn't mean that it's a different church. It doesn't mean that it's a different ministry it means that we're the same family. It just happened that most of us, most of us uh, speak Spanish as, as our first language. But you will be surprised to know that 85% of the people that come to the third service, they also speak English. So it's not like it's only Spanish-speaking people. Uh, it's just that they get to experience God in Spanish, and that's why we uh, have the third service let me read something from Galatians 3, 28. And he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's what is happening here in this church. For God... The the fact that we're speaking in in another language, uh, it doesn't mean that we're not part of the family. For God, there is no distinctions. We're all uh, his children. And I'm so happy to be able to be part of this family because if you ask around, you'll find out that most churches, what they do is they either rent the space for a Hispanic church or they have a ministry in uh, Spanish to be able to reach other people, but they are not together in the same mission. And here what we had at NBC is something special, like I said. is all of us being a family. And like I say, we might have an immediate family, and we might have also an extended family. The, the other thing that, I'm, that I want to point is that Everything that we do here, we share as a family. In Acts, when we were talking about the church, and you'll find it on Acts 2.44, and Ben mentioned this also. He says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need." And what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm here to tell you is that thanks to also the people, this family, that get to share uh, with NBC, is not only affecting what is happening here on the first and second service, it's also affecting what is happening on the third service. And I have great news about the third service, and I want to share something about the third service, but... What I want you to know is that all of you are part of what is happening on the third service. So you get to rejoice uh, with us as well. And then uh, lastly, something that I want to to point is that even though um, maybe you you have been here for a long time, uh, we did something strategic um, as far as being together because before we used to have four or five different services throughout the year, and maybe last year you didn't see that. You only saw a couple of services together. And what happened is there are some special weekends, for example, when it's Christmas or Easter, that we used to do it together, Um, but a lot of families came visiting the church, and they thought that the church was... uh, All the services were bilingual, and therefore they stopped coming because... Uh, they didn't think it was a uh, service in Spanish as well. So um, there are special occasions that are, were are strategic, and we get together and we do things together. And then there are some special occasions as well that uh, we do it as a separate uh, or extended and immediate family. But what I want to drive today is that we're all a family, and we're so um, happy with that. So let me give you an update of what is God is doing with the third service. First of all, a lot of people are growing in relationship and uh, as a disciples. Uh, something that um, was happening in the beginning when we started doing the third service is people will come on Sunday, and they will leave after the service was over, and there was no relationships. And as you heard, family is something very important for MVC. So we start cultivating those relationships and You can see the difference in the the families and everybody that is coming, and they're growing so much that that's something that makes me really happy, and and lives are being transformed, and you guys are part of that. Um, Just to give you an example as well is last time we had a membership class just uh, at the end of last year. We had a total of 31 new members that assisted the class uh, from the third service. So, we were super happy with that. 31 new members uh, that came into this family. Attendance in both the main service and the small service has increased by 20 to 30 percent compared to a year ago. So, that's also great. Um, and, like I say, you guys are uh, part of that. Uh, but, something that probably you don't know is I get to work with Pastor Angel. Uh, He's also another pastor that helps with the third service, and if you didn't know, he's a movie director and producer in Colombia. Uh, I make fun of him because he's the only one that works in Colombia to be able to live here in the United States, (laughs) but (laughs) he makes movies in Colombia, and that's part of his job, and this is what you have been part of. On the last year, I was brought to staff, and that allowed him also to be able to not only spend the time that he needs with the third service, but also to concentrate in his work uh, that he's doing in Colombia. This past year, he directed and produced the first gospel movie from Colombia um, that was created there, uh, by Colombians, and it was all in Spanish, and it was about uh, Christmas. And it was something beautiful, and he got recognized um, because that was the first time that that happened there. So imagine, all of you are just part of a movie that made huge headlines in Colombia. It was so good that uh, Netflix bought the movie, and they had it on December 25th. Um, if you want to look at it, it's in Spanish, but it has subtitles. Uh, it's called Holy Expectations, and you can find it in Netflix. But all that, uh, just to tell you that it was because of you that we're able to share um, because of this church that has prioritized uh, staff to be able to work in the third service and to be and just, just because all of us are just a great family, And it's not like two different services or two different churches trying to do things separate on their own way. So in behalf of the third service, thank you for what you do. And like I say, even though we only uh, have the third service in Spanish, it doesn't mean that we speak only English. Uh, So I invite everybody to be able to uh, share with your extended family here in the third service and to be able to take that next step and to be able to get uh, to know some of the people uh, that have uh, assisted for some time in the third service. So now, just as we have been doing, I'm going to leave you a couple of minutes to see what God wants to do with you, with your extended family. God bless you.
0: Listen. I want to wrap up our time this morning with with a couple of action steps, and maybe they'll coincide with something God's already been nudging you toward. Uh, maybe this will sort of spark some some ideas in you. Each week in our bulletin, on the back, we put one of the one another's written down for us. And there's so many there's so many different one another's throughout the scriptures that are teaching us how to be in Christ like community. Because most of the time, if we do what comes natural, it's opposite to how God's designed us to do it. This one that's here really applies to these three passions we have. And it says this from 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. When we invite vulnerable children into our homes, into our daily lives, into our churches, we're to do that without complaint. When we are investing in our closest neighbors, potentially the most willing disciples you will ever come across all week long, are when you show up at church and there are these little rugrats running around, bumping you, spilling your coffee, doing whatever. Those kids that you are welcoming into your life and your schedule and your stain quotient, those are the ones we're to show hospitality to without complaint. How about the fact that in this neighborhood, we have many, many, many Spanish speakers? Do you know that hospitality crosses language barriers? I don't need to speak a word of Spanish to be able to extend joyful acceptance. You know what else extends language barriers? Grumbling and complaining. They don't have to know what you're saying. Your body is saying it. So church, I implore you, in fact, what we just sang, to the only God who can keep us from stumbling, to the only God who's going to sustain this work, show hospitality without grumbling. So here are some action items. By the way, I know some of you are sad, we might auction this off, like at the end of Survivor, but our Mr. Rogers sweater is going away, so this is the last week for it. I'm a little personally sad about it. The, the other piece of this is this neighborhood trolley, which Mr. Rogers on his TV show would send this trolley off to make believe land. And we, we decided, you know what? We need something that like takes what we, what's stirred in here out to the neighborhood, out into the cubicle, out to our classroom tomorrow morning, into our homes. So what we've done is we've kind of put this in, in ocean motif. We have a group of us here who were all to beach yesterday, and some of you are toe dippers, and you just want to say, what's the what's sort of the, the next barely thing I can do? Some of you have been toe dipping for a long time and splashing in the surf, and you're having a great time. You're like, you know what? Spirit, lead me to where my trust is without borders. Lead me to where I can't touch anymore. We need to tread water now. And some of you've been treading water for a long time, and God's calling you to go scuba diving. Like into worlds unexplored, worlds unknown, worlds where you need some special equipment, special training, and a dive buddy to get there. So, in each of these three areas, you write down what's, what's pertinent to you. I'm gonna give you some ideas. I'm gonna move through these fairly quickly. The toe dip in caring for vulnerable children might be this. Just generously giving to foster the bay. Foster the bay is doing some incredible things. How about for families who are fostering right now? I had a family come up to me recently in our church saying they're pondering adoption. We are having more coming down the the, the pipeline. So just giving financially, generously to these folks who are extending their wallets, their lives, and and blessing them. The tread water for uh, for vulnerable children is this. Commit to make Empowered to Connect a smashing success this year. One of the things we do with this is we offer free childcare um, <clears throat> for the entire duration of it. So the cost of the conference um, is, is bare minimum. It's $25 per individual, $40 per couple, and here's how much we charge for childcare. You know, the community we're inviting into at this conference are, tend to be those who are already fostering, those who are already adopting, those who've already invited uh, some trauma from their past into our building. That will take an army of people who are showing hospitality without grumbling. You're needed. Here's the scuba for vulnerable children. Foster or adopt. Some of you, might, God might just be nudging you towards this, and your heart rate might be pounding a little bit, and you're going, I think that may be me. I think that may be what God is steering me towards. Here's the thing. For my wife, that began in junior high, long before she had a husband long before she began to start her family. God created her own family planning mission and mindset because she was open and willing to where the Spirit would lead. Let me, move on, let me move on to family ministry. Here's a toe dip. Start praying for all the kids in one family. Pray for them by name. Just begin to grab one family and say, hey, I, I actually discovered this after the fact from someone, that they know each of my kids, they rattled my kids off by name and age order. And it proved to me, I'm like, wow, this person really prays for my children regularly. Just do that. That begins to show an interest. Here's the tread water. Start serving in family ministry. There's a short-term opportunity because we're putting in a brand new playground back here and we're working to improve some things that are 13 years old um, that's starting to get really dangerous. That's a short-term way to just go, boom, I'm here. Let me do this. A longer-term way is to say, I want to get background checked. I want to be safe and approved to be serving the children in our community and welcoming them um, into our church. Biggest needs right now, by the way, are in nursery. Some of you are like, yay. Some of you are like, not yay. Those who said yay, that's for you. And then also hosting. Do you know that you could not be that great with children and serve in family ministry? Just be hosting. Like, be out there directing people where to go as they're checking in. Here's scuba. Here's scuba. Scuba is a one, serve one. What if every single Sunday you decided, you know what? We don't have a big Sunday school program for adults. I'm going to come one hour to serve. I'm going to come one hour to attend a service and keep up with my church family and what God's doing. Spanish ministry, here it is. Begin to pray for the third service regularly and then invite any of your Spanish speaking friends or anyone you bump into that speaks Spanish, invite them. Say, hey, let them know about what's going on at this church. Uh, the tread water is this. Get to know one person or family from the third service. And what's funny is I'm going to speak next service. Uh, all through this month, by the way, we're all on the same vision. It's just like Andre said. I'm going to speak to our extended family that I don't see as often. And if I ever crack a joke before it's translated in English, this bears true. About 85% of all, ha, 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 they all laugh. So they're all tracking with the English on some level. So what that means is if Ola is the only word you know, Start there, and then they probably will start you know, the conversation uh, and keep it going. Here's the last one is be a part of third service by, again, attending one and serving one. One of the things we did this last year is we started um, a Saturday night service for our Spanish speakers because, frankly, our Sunday afternoon one was packed. You know what's great? You can try stuff, see how it works, and if it's not working great, you can set stuff back down. So 2019, we started a service. The end of 2019, we stopped our fourth service. It just wasn't hitting like we thought it might. People weren't people didn't have a rhythm of Saturday. We're not sure all the reasons. We think we know some of the reasons. But bottom line is, it's busting at the seams, and there's more Spanish speakers that God wants to invite into His kingdom, and there's a role for you to 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 play in that. Let me have you just um, close your eyes for one moment. We've been trying to gift you this morning with some space to sort of sit and think and not have someone yapping at you and not have lyrics on the screen. I want to just close with 30 seconds of of setting our mind on the God who initiated this love relationship with us and who is a blessing even to people who are living their lives in rebellion to them right now. Even to wayward children who've grown kind of apathetic. So right now, 30 seconds to close out our time. And just sit quietly. God, many of us in this room have carved out this chunk of time. We've labeled it as meeting with the family of God. And over the course of a year, there's exciting times. There's boring times. There's confusing times. And at times it's painful to come show up with the family of God. We thank you for you being faithful. We're thankful for this verse that just refocuses on mine. We know that's right, that we should show hospitality. We also know that if we do it with grumbling, it it undermines the very acceptance we're trying to communicate. We joyfully, out loud, say, we need you to accomplish the tiniest iota of change for good for beauty in this neighborhood. God, you are here, you are moving, and you've seen fit to use people, human agents, to affect change. So God, we're yours this morning. We, We leave here excited, hopeful, anticipating that change and growth will happen. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.